The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go Beyond Reality. On a day where we have seen some Beyond Reality uh, footage, it's important that we come together and talk. Um, I mistakenly last night said that uh, this was going to be a classic episode. I don't know why I did that. Tomorrow night will be. But tonight is live, and we've got a very, very important and special program for you tonight, uh, especially in light of what we saw today in our nation's capital. Now, um, the first thing I'm going to say, and, and people have said it, at least some people have said it, I think most people have said it, but there is no place for political violence in our system. There is a lot of room for peaceful protest, and that's what a majority of the folks in Washington, D.C. were there to do. And then a small group of people took it to an extreme, which is unacceptable. Uh, I hope we get this stuff out of the way, but I can't help but think that the discussion we're going to have tonight in some part ties into the broader political climate that is causing this stuff. And it's not just what happened today. It's been it's what been it's, it's what's been happening since uh, early summer, late spring in this country. And the selective condemnation is part of the problem. We have to condemn all violence. We have to condemn all destruction of property, whether it's private or public property. That's what we need to be doing. We can't accept it now. We shouldn't have accepted it six months ago, and we can't accept it in the future. But tonight we're going to be talking about racism in America. Now, we talk about a lot of things on this show, and you know that I try to keep the show as apolitical as possible, but there are certain things that we have to have a national discussion about. And there are uh, many programs, whether it's on cable news or it's on the radio or wherever, that talk about these important issues. But every audience is different, and it's important that our audience takes a minute to consider what we're going to be talking about tonight. Our guest tonight will be Kathleen Brush, Dr. Kathleen Brush, and she's written a book called Racism and Anti-Racism in the World Before and After 1945. We'll bring her in in just a moment to talk about this, and I think you'll find it quite engaging. And I also think you might find it a bit calming, because I think that's the important part here. I think the underlying message is that some of these things we're being told may not necessarily be rooted in fact. Make sure you subscribe and share. That's the important message here. Subscribe to both our YouTube channel and our Twitch channel. Now, the Twitch channel has a fee associated with a subscription, but you can follow it at, with no fee. Or if you have an Amazon Prime account, you can link it and use that as the uh, the source of the subscription, and then there's no fee. Uh, so, again, Twitch and YouTube, and both of those channels can be found by looking up my name, J.V. Johnson. It's very very simple. Uh, what else do we know? Oh, follow us on, uh, you know, all the social media, whatever. I, I'm, I'm becoming less and less uh, convinced that social media is going to survive. I really, <laughs> I really think that, uh, that uh, things like Facebook, at least in their current form, Facebook is a declining uh, empire. And it's a lot. And in many ways, it's because it's become virtually nothing but political comment and argument. And that's not what people, I know that's not what I go there for. So that and other things are, I think, I think uh, uh, Facebook is, is becoming, quickly becoming the dinosaur in the tech industry. That's, my, again, my opinion. Don't quote me. Well, you can quote me. But uh, don't say that, um, you know, 
I don't know. Just just be careful how you quote me, I suppose. Oh, let's see. Okay, so we're going to go to break, and when we come back, we'll have our guests. We're going to begin this conversation, and it will be a very serious one, but it'll be a very, very informative one. I saw uh, Kathleen talking on another program, and I, I just said, we have to have this on our show. Uh, we have to talk about this. So that's what we'll be doing. It's Beyond Reality, and we will be right back. Don't go away. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. I forgot to mention uh, the podcast version of the show. I talked about YouTube and Twitch. Please uh, subscribe to and share the podcast version of the show. It's a very, very easy and convenient way to get the program delivered to your smartphone, your smart device uh, on a daily basis. We have something like 10,000 downloads a day of the podcast version of the program. And uh, I thank every each and every one of you for doing that. Um, it's it's rocketed us up to uh, one of the uh, leaders in podcast numbers, and we appreciate that. Thank you very much to all of our podcast listeners. Uh, we do we do enjoy your participation in the program. So tonight we're going to be taking one of our side road journeys into a topic that's a little less esoteric than maybe some of the ones that we cover on other nights, but in many ways it's completely and far more consequential. Politics isn't the focus of this program, but serious discussion of controversial issues is. And tonight's topic has been a controversial issue in the past, and it's quickly becoming a driving force in every part of our lives, whether it's public policy, whether it's media, employment, education, thought, as in what we're allowed to think or what we can talk about, our safety. And tonight we have an expert in the topic. Dr. Kathleen Brush has written a book called Racism and Anti-Racism in the World Before and After 1945. Kathleen, welcome to Beyond Reality. It's really great to have you here tonight. Well, it's really great to be here. Now, I know, you know, I think you know, because I think my producers talked to you about it. Um, I saw an interview you did on cable news, and I was just fascinated and relieved, uh, greatly relieved, uh, by your work and your approach to this particular topic. And I thought, this is something that everybody needs to hear. Uh, and not everybody watches the cable news programs. Obviously, audiences are different everywhere. But I thought this was really important. And I also got a kick out of the fact that, uh, as you should aptly do, you did a little bit of homework on, on the program. You may have saw some of our more esoteric topics. And you thought, geez, is this really something for me? Um, and you still agreed to come on. So thank you so much for doing that. And I have to point out, even Tucker Carlson, my favorite uh, cable news host, talks about UFOs on his program every once in a while. Even he does. I'm not surprised. <laughs> anyway, so um, let's talk about what's going on. I really want to get to the to kind of the beginning of this topic. And when we use the word racism, uh, a lot of people automatically think they know what we're talking about. But on a more fundamental level, what exactly are we talking about when we say racism? Well, I think the, um, well, fundamentally, racism is when um, there are beliefs that people have against groups of people. So groups of people, and it can be from a race or from a religion or from an ethnic group. And so that's sort of the, the you know, the really important point is is that it's a belief, a negative belief, about people from a group. You know, so it's not a belief that's against somebody that's walking down the street that scares you. You know, <laughs> that, that's entirely different. You know, racism is when there is a group belief that's negative towards, uh, rather it's a, a, a belief that's 
negative towards a, a group. And does that group have to be a racially defined group? Nope, nope, nope. And and I actually cover this quite a bit in in my book because you'll you'll see throughout the world that there are a lot of homogenous populations, and that doesn't prevent them from having racism. Um, because racism, you know, we 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 think of racism as pertaining to a race, right, but, right, but. You know, having negative beliefs about a group is really what racism is about. And so you'll find in different parts of the world that there'll be what I call religionism or mm-hmm. ethnicism. Mm-hmm. So you'll, you'll find, like, religionism in the Middle East, you know, where there are um, negative groups, of, uh, negative beliefs about Christians or about Jews. You know, when you get into Africa where 99% of the continent is black, you have ethnicism. And so you have, you know, sort of powerful negative beliefs against different ethnicities. So um, racism can be applied to, as you just pointed out, a religious group. It can be applied to, um, can it be applied geographically as well? Uh, No, no, it, it really has to pertain to a group of people. Okay. And so, I mean, you know, it, it's, I mean, there, there actually are countries <laughs> where it might be applicable geographically, mm-hmm. but that's only because they're, they're so homogenous, you know, and so you have just highly homogenous populations in, for example, in China, Japan, and Korea. And so, you know, if you wanted to take the geography of that country, you know, I, I suppose it could pertain, but it's really, um, in reference to the people. Right. So we've heard the word racism used a lot uh, in the last 12 months, uh, seemingly increasingly used. Uh, When it's used to to, uh, reference Americans, is it being used in the way you just defined? No, not at all. Um, But but I think that people would have you believe that. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that is uh, deeply troubling uh, to me. And, and it's actually one of the reasons that uh, I decided to write the book. You know, in the summertime, I kept hearing systemic racism, systemic racism, systemic racism, or right. it's synonym structural racism. And, and the fact is, I'm sitting there and I'm going, but we, we are not a systemically racist nation. We are not a structurally racist nation. I know this for a fact. You know, I've been, I've been, I've been studying racism and discrimination around the world for about 12 years, but I've informally been studying it for almost 32 years, which is when I first began traveling to, to, to foreign destinations. And so, you know, I, 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 was, I was deeply disturbed by this. And, you know, and then I hear people saying, you know, I'm not proud of America because of our racism. And, and that about put me over the edge. Because it's like we don't we don't have racism in America. Yes, there are racists, but we are not a racist country. And so, you know, as I as I looked into this further and further, you know, it's like, you know, systemic racism, systemic racism, systemic racism. And I know for a fact that we don't have systemic racism. We are one of the first nations to purge our systems of of racist laws and practices. And so, as I dug into this further. It was sort of extraordinary because it it is based on a belief that there are 
unconscious biases against black people that are pervasive in the United States. And and it's like, oh my God, this is just this is a whole new this is a whole new dimension. You know, it's you know, we're not talking about, you know, doing mean things to people or not hiring them. We're talking about somebody having a biased thought against somebody. And, and you know, and, and the reason that that becomes, you know, that, that, is, that it's so troubling is, is that, you know, all people have biased thoughts right. against, you know, not just people, but things. You know, it's, it's sort of how we make quick judgments and can get through the day. You know, we don't have to process every aspect of something that we see. You know, we, we come to, to quick conclusions. But, you know, the, the thing that's also very troubling about this is that you can't really tell who, who has a biased thought. You know, it's not, 96% of biased thoughts are just that, biased thoughts. So there's only 4% of biased thoughts that would result in a discriminatory action. And so for the other 96%, you know, this this is this is a this is a likely scenario. You walk down the street, you see something that you think is dangerous. You walk across this. You know, you 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 change to the other side of the street, and then you go, oh, hold on, I know who that is, or oh, hold on, that's not a dangerous situation, right? And so, you know, your 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 brain works to process that. You know, there's something potentially dangerous, and then you gather more information, and you go, there's no danger there. So. Anyway, I mean, you know, one of the, the, the grandest challenges of this systemic racism narrative and, and the fact that it's based on unconscious biases is that there, there is no solution. You know, I mean, you know, we, we can try brainwashing people to, to stop thinking biased thoughts about different people, but, but that's that's not going to work, and, and we're, not, we're not China or Russia. We don't, we don't engage in those practices. And besides the fact, I mean, there's just so much evidence that uh, this brainwashing, which I'm referring to unconscious bias training or diversity training or racial sensitivity training, it doesn't work. I mean, there are, just, there are, there are so many studies that say it doesn't work. In addition to it not working, does it create additional biases and yes, and, it does. and and it, it does. and animosities so, and and anger in some cases? Well, it, it 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 absolutely does, and I mean, and this is this is supported this is supported in the research. You know, there's been just really so many studies. I I, I and and I think I've been through most of them. And it's like, okay, so the best outcome that could happen from diversity, racial sensitivity, call it what you will, training, is that you'll have wasted your time and your money. But a more severe outcome is that you increase biases. And it's actually likely that you will increase biases. And, you know, you can read the studies or you can just think about it, you know, and it's like, okay, so... If you go into a, a room, and, and it's usually the um, it's usually white people and often white men that are sort of um, held up as the uh, as the boogeyman in these training classes, and you sit there and you go, you know, you're a bad guy or gal, and you're oppressive, and and you're sitting there and you're thinking, no, I'm not. 
Right. <laughs> you know, I've never done anything oppressive in my life. And then the training's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. <clears throat> you think oppressive thoughts. You know, and then you're sitting there, you're going, do I? I mean, I don't think I do. You know, and so so by the time you get done with the training program, you know, you, one of two things is going to happen. You know, you're going to sit there and you go, you're going to be very resentful that that people are sitting there and calling you names right. and, and accusing you of these horrible things, or you're going to go, huh, okay, let me think about this, and then five minutes later you're going to see something that sort of reconfirms some position that you held before, and then the training's gone again. Or, or sorry, there's a there's a third outcome. The, the third outcome is is that they sit there and and, and I'll and I'll pick on on uh, women. Um, you know that you know you're sitting there and and you're being taught that you know for women you mustn't think that they're that they're unintelligent and you mustn't think that they're sex objects. And you know now you leave the training and that's all you can think about. You know every time you see a woman, you know you're you're you're, you're thinking she's she's stupid. And, and and she's available. <laughs> um, <laughs> but 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 these are you know these again these are the uh, the outcomes from just numerous research into these subjects, and and I have to tell you I was really quite um, quite unhappy when uh, things were going nuts a, a few few weeks ago when they canceled the racial sensitivity training because you know there were so many people going oh my god you know we're 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 just plunging further into racism. You know, we're not trying to address this problem. And and the reason I was bothered by it is because, you know, I'm sure I'm sure your listeners are aware of the censorship that goes on in the media. And it's like, right. why isn't anyone coming forward and talking about the endless studies that have been done that shows that the best outcome is a waste of, of time and money and the more likely outcome is that you're going to increase bias. Let's take a second, and I want to break down something you said early in your in your answer there. You d- differentiated between racism and a racist, or systemic racism and a racist. That's an important distinction, isn't it? Oh, I, oh yes, of course. Yes, and, and, and it's important because, you know, you're never going to get rid of racists. You know, there's there's always going to be some people that have bad thoughts about somebody, and maybe it's based on something, maybe it's based on nothing, but maybe a, a, a lousy upbringing. But, you know, <clears throat> a racist society means that they're all racist, or they're mostly racist. You know, it's, it's not that they're, it's, a, it's not a one-off situation. It's like, this is a racist society. But let me, let me just give you a couple of <clears throat> examples, having traveled to so many different places. Um, I'll bet that of the 114 countries I've been to, you know, 80 of them, you can see racism. <laughs> you can see racism. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's 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 not unconscious thoughts. You know, these are these are societies where it's perfectly okay to do mean things to people and to say mean things about people. That's right. And and you know, those, those are racist societies. And and in fact, there's there's a number of societies where you know, constitutionally, they're racist. You know, where where there are there are privileges for for certain people in their societies, and that's in the constitution. You know, so it's like, well, you know, I mean, that would seem that would seem like a, a systemically racist society or a structurally racist society. Now, let me just <clears throat> elaborate a little more on this because 
these countries don't think they're structurally racist or systemically racist. They, you know, they they think they're doing just just fine. You know, it's like they think that certain people should have privileges. Mm-hmm. And you know, and they don't really appreciate some American coming in and telling them that they're that they're racist because they're like, you know what? This is the way we do things in our country, and nobody's really nobody's really bothered by it. You know, so if you could just back off. You know, we we have you know we have different levels in our society, and people are fine with it. If a nation, and particularly this nation, um, had a problem with systemic racism, would it require that some of that racism uh, appears in, in in codification in some way, in law in some way? Well, that's you know, and that's that, and that's why I'm I'm so so adamant that you know we don't have a systemically racist society because it's not in our systems. There is no nation in the world that has passed as many laws, and they enforce them, that ensures that we are not a racist society. It is terribly illegal to, to be a racist, you know, at, you know, in different areas, right? And 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 I just want to clarify that it's like it's if we have freedom of speech here, <laughs> you know, if you want to if you want to go and call your neighbor a racial slur, you're not going to get arrested. Now, if you go and call somebody a racial slur in work and you do it several times, you've got a problem. Right. Because right. <laughs> because there's laws against that, and you know most of the laws, in fact, all of the laws that we have for our to ensure that we're an anti-racist society, what they do is they more or less ensure that people have a quality of opportunity. You know, and so, so they've targeted the big areas that really will make a difference in people's lives, right? So you cannot discriminate in employment. You cannot discriminate in housing. You cannot discriminate in finance. And again, you know, the, the rationale behind that is is we want to create, or we have created, a nation where we have equality of opportunity. The um, idea that uh, you cannot deny somebody um, service or, or goods or, or, or whatever we want to call it, uh, you, know, you outlined certain things like uh, you can't deny housing, you can't deny finance, you can't. Uh, deny employment based on uh, a racial uh, motivation. Um, that's one thing. But can you, can you, and should you, um, in any way, try to affect, not affect, uh, either um, manipulate or determine what someone can think about another person for any reason whatsoever? Well, first of all, you can't. Right. And I mean, and, and I mean, that's. Can you imagine what an invasion of privacy that would be? <laughs> But it doesn't, it seem like that's, doesn't it seem like that's the, the way we're headed, can't. though? But doesn't it seem like we're kind of going that way? No, well, no, yes. Yeah, well, yes, um, yes, we are. I mean, and, and I think that, you know, this is, to me, this is like, this is the latest stage of what I think is becoming a bit of a circus. And, and it's like we are, you know, we have put in place, you know, all the pieces for an anti-racist society. And so, you know, now we have this little thing, you know, I, I guess it was 
probably about 50 years ago, they started coming up with unconscious bias. And, and, and just to explain where this came from, once we came out with the, the, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, we basically tackled everything that was um, overt bias, right? So you couldn't right. have, you couldn't have um, ads for positions that said, you know, we only want men or we only want white people. Um, and so, you know, we, and, and, and we did away with you can't pay people differently based on their race or their sex or their age. And so, you know, then all of a sudden this new area of research came up and said, well, you know, people can't uh, overtly discriminate, but they can sort of covertly do it. You know, they can, they can, they can think about it, you know, and they, don't, they may not say anything, but they're still discriminating. And so, you know, I think that we've gone round and round with that now. That's why we have all these, these things like diversity training at, at uh, various corporations and organizations because what we're trying to do is to get people to not, say, eliminate a resume because the name has a, a Latino-sounding name. But now we've taken it even one step further and because because I think we've really done a very good job in terms of purging sort of these these hidden biases. And now what seems to me what what they're what what's being inferred um, through all the, the the media sources that I've been looking at is that they're really trying to just get at people that think um, unkind thoughts about somebody that has no bearing whatsoever on, you know, on a job or on financing or housing. Right. It's just that, you know, you go, you go into a store and somebody goes, huh, he looked at me funny. You know, he's a racist. And, and that's sort of where I see this heading right now is that that's, you know, this is, this is, this is the next frontier is that we're trying to get people to stop thinking by thought, not, as it pertains to employment or housing or, or finance, but just, you know, somebody comes into your house, you know, and it's like, huh, they looked at me funny or, you know, why did you say that? And, and, and it's racism. It, it, you know, part of it seems to me, <laughs> if, if I was going to be a, a, l- a little skeptical of this whole, disc- of the whole argument that's being um thrown at us seemingly i'd have to say that you know we've done actually such a good job of eliminating racism as you've pointed out overt racism that they had to come up with a new definition to continue the cause that might not necessarily exist um does that make sense yeah Yeah, sure it's like they had to find they had to find a new cause but, but, but i think it's yeah yes yes it's it's um it's coming up with a cause that that I agree with you one hundred percent. You know, it's um and 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 really, you know, we were doing quite well until the first Black Lives Matter, which was I guess twenty twelve or twenty thirteen mm-hmm. with Trayvon Martin. Right. And you know, and it seemed like things were going along just fine and then all of a sudden, you know, we had, you know, all this attention to race mm-hmm. and you know, near as I could tell, what came out of it was, is like, well, we're not there yet. You know, there must be something else. 
And so people started latching on to this unconscious bias. And, you know, and let me, let me just tell you what I think is really, really problematic about this. Okay. And that is, is that, you know, so now we're, we've created this systemic racist theme. And, you know, I saw this um, study that was done in October of this year. And the number one thing that holds black people back, this was a survey, 70% said it's systemic racism, right? So, you know, what fell to the bottom was, you know, education, employment, housing, mm-hmm. and, and it's systemic racism. Well, the problem with that is, is that it, you, can't, you can't fix it. No one can fix systemic racism. I mean, not, not in this form, not in this unconscious bias form. Right, and so what that does is, and and the people that are most affected by it are are black people. Is is that it makes them feel hopeless, right? Because there's nothing they can do about it. And you know, the other day I was looking at this study, and it was that you know, blacks are not enrolling in college. In fact, Latinos are now nineteen percent of college campuses, and blacks are. I think nine and a half percent, you know, and it's slid 13 percent since the last couple of years. And it's like, do, do you see where this narrative is really, really hurting the people that you would hope that it was trying to help? You know, why, 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 why would black people go to college if they thought it was hopeless? Right. You know, if, if all the cards are against them, why bother to try? Have you looked at this from the black community's perspective? Have you spoken with leaders of the black community that may take a different opinion than maybe what is being presented in the media? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. No, I don't. I haven't. I haven't spoken to them. Um, what I have done is, I, I I've spent a great deal of time, um, you know, reading books, mm-hmm. um, watching interviews. Um, and it's, 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 it's absolutely amazing to me that, you know, and the, all of the, uh, African Americans that I'm listening to or reading, um, are very, very well known. You know, they're, they're professors at Stanford and Harvard and wherever, and they're conservatives and, you know, they're conservatives. Viewpoint. I am. I you know. I am. I am one hundred percent sure that if you have a conservative audience, that they would say, "Well, I agree with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree with that." You know, because you know the. Um, uh, so, so for example, let me see if I have this here. Uh, um, Walter Williams. I was. I was looking at today that. Um, I. I. I I talk quite a bit about uh, benevolent racism, and let me explain what that is because I think it's really quite interesting. And what benevolent racism is and benevolently racist programs are is that people have sympathy for a group. And, and so let's, let's take the blacks, for example. And so people are sympathetic towards blacks, and so they want to help them. Right? And so they put in place 
programs such as um, welfare programs, affirmative action, uh, minimum wage programs. And they don't help the blacks. They end up hurting the blacks and reinforcing racial dominance, hence the reason it's called benevolent racism. And, and let me just, if, 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 that's, if that's not clear, so, you know, in, um, but before, before the Great Society and the War on Poverty, which were the 1960s, you know, everyone was sort of on their own. You know, it's like you sink or you swim in the United States. Right. You know, there wasn't, right. there weren't these, these big safety nets. I mean, we had some that came about uh, under FDR. But then we came up with these these bigger, bigger, bigger welfare programs. And so now people have enough money that they don't need to get married and have children. They can just have children. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't really have to work or they can work part-time. Um, people don't have to aspire to get a better education because they can do just fine with, you know, not having a better education. And so what, what this ended up doing is that, you know, we now have today in the United States um, 65% of black families are single mother households, right? And if you remember the... Um, President Obama's uh, very well-known 2007 Father's Day speech. You know, he said, you know, look, you know, we're, because we have, at the time it was 50% of black households were uh, single female households. You know, we now have, kids are five times more likely to drop out of school. They're five times more likely to engage in crime. They're ten times more likely to engage in prison. You know, we, we have to get our family back together. Right. Right? And, and so, you know, the, and, and it all happened. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's 100% correlates to us putting in place this great society where we were trying to help people. You know, and so it becomes a benevolently racist program. But here's from uh, one of the uh, African-American professors that I like. His name is Walter Williams. And, and he said, The welfare state has done to black Americans what slavery could not have done. Jim Crow and the harshest racism could not have done, namely destroy the American family. And I just think it's, you know, and, and so here we are, and, and we're continuing to, to go down this, this path where we're, we're trying to help people, and we're not helping them. We're making things worse. Yeah, it's this and, law of unintended uh, consequences. Yes, ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's, but, but, I mean, it's, it, it, it had good intentions. Right. You know, but anyway, so this, this uh, Walter Williams that I just quoted from, um, you'll find that the leading African-Americans that are conservative all hold similar views to that, you know, and, you know, they think it's just done a tremendous disservice to blacks that 
that white people want to keep trying to help them. We just had, it appears, we just had a a senatorial candidate who looks to be a a senator-elect quoted as saying, and and I saw this clip several times during the campaign, um, something that uh, about uh, America needs to atone for its worship of whiteness or something along those lines. How dangerous are statements like that? Because they seem very dangerous to me. They're, they're, they are so dangerous, and they're, they're, cons- they're consistent with this systemic racism, structural racism thing. Um, you know, because, you know, again, there is, there is no nation that has um, put in place a system like ours, an anti-racist system like ours. Um, when, when you talk about atoning for for white sins. You know, I want I want to remind people that, you know, it was in nineteen forty five that FDR parlayed American victory in World War Two to get global powers to stop the colonial subordination of Africans and Asians, right? Because right. that was that was that was white supremacy. <laughs> Yeah. over African age. We are the ones that said, we're not doing that. You know, and not, not, we're not doing it. No one's going to do that. And, you know, we, we had such a position in, in 1945 that we were able to do that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we, we made all countries, in order for them to be accepted as sovereign nations and, and to have the protection of other nations, we made them agree to end discrimination by providing fundamental freedoms. Now, most of them didn't do it, but nonetheless, we're the ones to put that in place. And then we then took the lead in showing people how to do it. Now, in 1964, when we came up with the Civil Rights Act, it was at that point that white Americans, and, and, and it was white male Americans, said, you know what? This is not fair. We, you know, we do have all the power. And you know what? We're not comfortable with it because it's not fair. And at that point in time, the whites in America just said, you know what? We are relinquishing power. We are relinquishing power. We want to share power. You know, to me, it's like I can't imagine anything bolder or braver, really, in happening in history. But since that time, you know, what's happened to America is, frankly, it's unbelievable. We're talking about in the span of 60, a little over 60 years Right? I mean, first of all, it was, it was 50, I think it was 56 years, maybe it's 54, that we elected a black man to be president of the United States. You know, it's like the majority, majority populations do not elect minorities to be their heads of state. It just doesn't happen. If they're racist, you know, for sure. Then the next largest nation to do that was Peru. It's the 48th largest. <laughs> Right? They, they elected a Japanese. But it's like, you know, and, and, and to me it's like, 
How come people can't see this? How come people can't see the amount of progress that has that has occurred in the United States? I mean, I get I get so tired of you know it's like white oppression and black powerlessness, you know, and and everywhere everywhere I look, there's these powerful black people on the I'm on the television, they're in the news, they're on the front page of the paper, and it's like, well. Are, are we are we are we are we trying to go after a problem that existed sixty years ago? Because you know that the United States today is not the United States in 1964. The United States today in 2020 is not the United States in even 2000. That's right. You know, I mean, the progress in America is just—it's it, frankly—it's unbelievable. And you know what? And it 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 will continue. You know, to me, the, the the fear that I have is is that you know we're now going down this this wild systemic racist path, and it's like you know what I I just got a bad feeling about it. You know, it's just like we're 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 gonna we're gonna slow things down. What is the what is the consequence of public schools? And I don't know how many public schools are doing this. Maybe it's isolated, or maybe it's uh, it's it's becoming common. This year is a kind of an anomaly with public schools as it is. Uh, but what's the consequence of public schools in you know second, third, fourth grade telling kids you're you're a racist just because of the nature of your birth? You're white, therefore you are systemically racist. How does that play out? <laughs> you know, I I, I um. Uh, you know, all I can do is pray. You know, it's um, I, I don't. You know, I've, I've, I'm watching this unfold. You know, and I'm and I'm watching this. Um, you know, it, it's all a lot of it seems like it tied to that the 1619 project. Yes, exactly. The New York Times 1619 project, yep. and and of course that's part of why curriculums are are being revised. And you know, and to me it's 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 crazy because you know. They've they've debunked the sixteen nineteen project. Right. You know, it's like no America was not founded on on white supremacy. And no, we didn't fight the Revolutionary War so that we could sustain slavery. And you know, but but still this this um this thought that, you know, we're we're raising the profile of slavery and the, the insanity of that is that, you know, it's probably not unfair to say that at least 50% of the world has ancestors that were slaves. Right. And that's probably true in the United States, too. You know, so, I mean, slavery was a way that it was just one aspect of ordering societies, right? We had people at this level and all these other levels. And 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 even today, there's still some societies that, that the bottom level is reserved for slaves. But so, you know, we've we've taken this, this thing about slavery and almost made it like, you know, the United States is the is is the lone slaver in the world, and the only people that were ever slaves were were black Americans, you know. And so now we're now we're sort of trying to drill this into to children, you know. And it's like, well, hang on, you know. First of all, none of that's true, but 
what did these children have to do? What did these right. children have to do with any of this? That's so important. And the other thing <laughs> I think is really important is completely overlooked or, or certainly not discussed as it should be, is that it's 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 not just our founding documents, but it's our founding principles, and it's the it's the intellectuals of the day as our founding documents and founding principles were put together that created an environment for people to see that slavery was unjust to begin with. Yep. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, the foundation of our nation, our founding founding documents certainly are anti-slavery. They are. And these, and these people with the 1619 project and others are trying to rip that fabric apart. And they don't understand that it's that fabric that has created an environment, not just to end slavery, slavery, but to continue that discussion and to move uh, for equal rights and civil rights throughout the course of the last two centuries. Yep. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, and, and I think the, the biggest tragedy is that we can't, you know, it, it, it almost seems like we're powerless to prevent it because we have shut down opposing the dialogue. Yeah. View. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, That's I was, I was delighted problem. when, um, uh, when I got a call to, to talk with you because, you know, when I first came up with my book, you know, I, t- I tried to hire uh, public relations agencies, right, that, that demand a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And, I couldn't get anyone to, to to take me on as a client. It's a third rail topic. Yeah, you know, they just said, you know what? Nobody nobody wants to hear nobody wants to hear that America is anti racist. <laughs> you know, and it's like and, and I'm like, but but do you understand? I mean, I am I'm just one I'm about one hundred percent facts and figures. That's that's how I deal with this. You know, and, and I've still you know, I mean I, I still struggle with um trying to trying to get the message out. I mean, a lot. <laughs> Yeah, and that's why I felt it was important um, to have you on the program too. But you know, we're not we're not a national ca- cable television show's audience, but we have a lot of good people in our audience that that um, that wanted and needed to hear this this message. I want to talk about police uh, systemic racism for a second because that seems to have been the nucleus of a lot of what was happening over the summer since the George Floyd uh, situation. Um, and here again. You know, the statistics I've seen show exactly the opposite, that the, that the police in this country, with the exception of, and I say few, I mean very few bad apples, are very uh, um, le- unlikely to be racist, in their, at least in their policing. Yep. Yeah, no, there's, that's, um, I'm sure you've read Heather McDonald's stuff. Yes, absolutely. Um, yep. Yeah, and... You know, there's 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 so much data that supports that. You know, police are not racist, and instantly they do have the unconscious bias training, racial sensitivity training, and everything else. But but the fact is is that you know, police are not out there to go after races. You know, police are there to go after crime. Right. They don't care what color somebody is that commits it. You know, that's like, that's, that's what their, that's what their mode of operation is. And, you know, and I, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, you, you and, and your listeners are, are familiar with the statistics that support that. You know, I was, I was looking at the data the other day and it's like, you know, wow, there were more cops killed last year than. That's right. 
than than black people were killed by cops. And you know, I think it's cops are eighteen and a half times more likely to be well, killed I mean, by a black person than. And and, and, and when you say uh, black people killed by cops, you you're really focusing on unarmed black people that are killed by cops because they're the ones that are. No, that no, are... no, 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 no. Uh, Yes, unarmed. Yes, absolutely yeah. unarmed. Now, and, and then, then it becomes even more frustrating because, and I don't remember the names. Forgive me, but there no, was a, there no. was a cert, the situation, you know, well into the summer where a a, a black man uh, had a knife uh, apparently and was threatening police, and he was shot and killed. Um, and and it seems that the the fact that he was going at the police with a knife, a deadly weapon, uh, was completely left out of the conversation. And again, another victim held up. And I don't understand how we can't remove these blinders and look at these things objectively and honestly. Well, well, but but you know we're not... I mean, I think one of the things that the the police fear the most is somebody with a cell phone. You know, because, I mean, it it would be one thing if they were actually filming the entire incident. Mm -hmm. But that that what what ends up in the media are edited <laughs> versions. Yes, yes, and yeah. um, and it never makes the police look good. No, yeah, I think I, it's you know it's a it's 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 a it's a horrible situation. Um, you know the the murder rate is is up, in I think it was up thirty five percent in fifty one cities mm-hmm. this year. And mm-hmm. and you know some people are saying, well, you know, it was the pandemic, and it's like, oh, come on, you know, you you've got these defund the police initiatives, the police have been made to be, you know, the, the black boogies. Right. Um, police killings are up 58% this year. If you eliminate the COVID deaths, it's 21%. You know, police are not going out and active policing. It's too dangerous. They're paralyzed because no matter what they do, it's the wrong thing. And and who does this affect the most? And I would assume that it's the poorer communities uh, where a lot of this criminal activity occurs, and most of those communities are minority communities, at least heavily minority communities, and the police are powerless to help those people now, or at least far handicapped to do so. Yeah, and the, and it is actually the um, the some of the largest increases in homicides this year were black cities. Uh, predom- I shouldn't say black cities, um, cities with large black populations like Chicago, like New York, right. like Washington, D.C. And, yes, it's the, it's, it's the black people that are bearing the, the brunt of. So I, ha- I have to ask, and because we're going to run out of time here, and I've got a, a couple other points I want to get to here. But, um, you know, we, we continually talk about the black community. They're not the only minority group in the country. We have... You know, many. We've got Native Americans, we've got uh, uh, Asian Americans, we've got Latino Americans, and others. Um, mm-hmm. Why does it does this conversation seem to focus on the black community? Well, I, I think there's, there's actually a good reason for that. Um, first of all, the um, uh, it's Black Lives Matter. You know, if, right, if, if, if you were if you were paying attention this summer, it's like people that tried to say Latino lives matter or all lives matter or anyone else's lives matter. They 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 were told they were racist. Um, but first of all, you know, if in this, this whole narrative of systemically racist America, right, well, the Asians don't really make for a very good story. Because they're right? successful? I mean, they're, they're the most educated <laughs> right. and the most highly compensated ethnic group in America. You know, and, and you know what? The Latinos don't make for a very good story either because the progress that is occurring in um in the Latinos is is really 
quite extraordinary. I mean, if you look at household income today, you know, for blacks, the, house, the average household income is 40000 For Latinos, it's 50000 You know, and it wasn't long ago that, that blacks and Latinos had, had similar um, uh, household incomes. Am I? You know, and then, I, 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 you know, and I just, I mentioned to you that the Latinos mm-hmm. are now, you know, they were the ones that had, you know, higher dropout rates in high school and lower enrollment rates in college. Well, they, they still have slightly higher dropout rates in uh, uh, high school but their enrollment and graduation rates in college is overtaking the blacks, right? So, you know, so, so they're not, you know, they're not, they're, they're not feeling the systemic racism. Yeah. And I was going to, I was going to ask, and I, I don't want to make uh, generalizations, but it's my understanding that um, the Latino community has a stronger uh, family fabric than maybe the black community does. Is that true? Well, well, you know, the, yes, it is, it is stronger. I mean, from the perspective of, of having, um, uh, a mother and a father right. raising children. Right. Yeah, but it's still pretty high. Um, I, I think in, I was just looking at those numbers, it's it's still pretty high, but it's about 10 or 12 percent um, less than what you find in the black community. But anyway, so so the, so the thing is, is that, you know, if, if you're going to have this systemically racist narrative, right, you can't, you can't have people that are busting the narrative. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's and that's that's happening with the Latinos and also with the Asians. I mean, I was I was reading the um, uh, last week, you know, that there were some people that were going to move the Asians in with the whites. You know, it's like yeah, we can't we can't be we can't be having these Asians as a separate category because they're really screwing up the you know the systemic <laughs> racism. It's unbelievable! It's so dishonest. The whole conversation is so dishonest. I mean, yeah. you know, if we have if we have problems, let, the only way we're going to solve any problems is for being honest about what they are, and then honest about what the solutions are. Um, I, absolutely, absolutely. And, and we just can't seem to do that. We, as you said, dialogue is being shut down. You can't even have a conversation that that takes a um, a dissenting opinion with Black Lives Matter. Uh, no, no, dis, no, Despite no. what what I mean, I've heard some very serious allegations about what that group actually stands for and what they're doing, and yeah, it doesn't sure. seem to be in the interest of blacks or anyone, for that matter. No, no, that, no. I think that's that, that's very true, and 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 you can read about that in some very non mainstream. Uh, media sources. <laughs> so let's let's ask the bigger question here, Kathleen. Why? Why is this happening? Is this a political uh, tool? What is the the actual motivation for this? What brings makes media lie about this? What makes politicians either lie or be silent about this? What is actually happening at the core? You know, I, I um, anytime I see something that just just smells so bad, you know. I think it's. I think politics has to be has to be involved in some significant way. But you know, I don't know. I do know that it makes no sense. You know, and and it makes no sense from the perspective of you know it, it's not true. You know why? You know why are people why are people trying to you know turn this this wonderful nation that has you know it's it you know that history will show to be the most extraordinary nation that's ever been. Why are they trying to turn it into some horrible thing? And why are they doing this stuff on behalf of blacks and not thinking through the fact that it's going to hurt the blacks? 
is it because by doing that they uh, they create a dependency that allows uh, them to get gain political power from it? Well, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I always say that benevolent racism has, you know, it, it inadvertently reinforces racial dominance. And, and I always put inadvertently in front of it because I just can't get my arms around thinking that anyone would do it intentionally because mm. it's just like it, it's, it's beyond something that I can process. So with uh, the political changes we're seeing in Washington right now, um, and we saw some horrific events unfold today in our nation's capital and our nation's capital building, Um there are a lot of very, very frustrated people. I can't help but think that this is part of that equation that adds up to the frustration. Is there hope that we can diffuse some of this? You know, I don't, um, you know, instantly I, I share your, 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 your views there only from the perspective. I, I was only just watching it just a couple hours ago, and it's like, wow, you could see this happening. Mm-hmm. You know, you could see that this was a possibility. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and, and, and you've actually seen, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of interesting. I mean, if you look at history, you've seen things similar to this, you know, and they, they called them revolutions. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the reason that it happened was because there was no outlet. So people didn't get a chance to speak their views, and they were different than the views that were being broadcast across the media. And so, you know, it's like if you don't have a free press, right. you're you're going to see stuff like this. That's happen. so important. That's one of the most important things we that has been brought up tonight is this lack of a, a fair and unbiased media which we just seem to not have anywhere. I haven't been able to find a single source that I feel is unbiased. No, 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 no me either. Um we have one more, uh, I think, looming specter uh, politically here that we might want to address. Again, with the changes in Washington, um, new president, seemingly um, a Democrat-controlled House and Senate. Uh, what about the idea of reparations? Is that going to go somewhere? And what does that do in this whole equation? Um, you know, reparations to me are um, another benevolently racist idea um for, just from the perspective of so now you're going to you know what we're 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 going to atone for something that happened a long time ago and you know and what we're going to do is we're going to reinforce that you were slaves or that your ancestors were slaves right yeah because as you far know, as i know nobody living today in america no, no, was, was a slave could, and no there were no slave owners uh, still alive today no, no, I, there there couldn't be, um, just because nobody said oh, right. Said I mean, old. you'd have to be 160 but, years old for that to happen. But but the fact is, is that you know it's like this is you know slavery is part of our history, much as it was part of every nation's history, you know. And so, so so you know, it's like they in the past, whenever reparations have been given, and they've only been given in a few cases. The most salient are the Japanese and the the Jews and. World War II, yeah. reparations were paid to the survivors. Um, the um, in the case of the Japanese, you know, I think some some relatives got them, but that was because their parents were alive in 1988 when the bill was passed, <clears throat> and there were some block funds that were given to Israel for for many of the Jews that were killed. But but anyway, you know, it's so. You know, the, the reparations are given to survivors, you know, to sort of 
pay them for for the pain that they they endured and so we don't have that here you know you know we have a we have a history of 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 slavery as i said much like every other nation but it's like so what if we give reparations i mean the history is still going to be there right you know and so yeah. then what happens so then then the, the next generation of uh, uh, of blacks are born and it's like do they need reparations? I mean, you know, I mean, because no, none of none of the people that are getting reparations actually experience slavery, right? You know, so, 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 when does it end? You know, and and and, and what are we trying to do with this anyway? I mean, are we trying to absolve ourselves of, of of some type of guilt? You know, and it's like, why would we be doing that? I mean, we have put in place, you know. A, a system of, you know, anti-racism. You know, we have, you know, we we have had the the white people in this country that have said, you know, this is this is unfair. What's happened? And you know, we're we 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 want to divide up the power. You know, I mean, it's like what to me, it's like what more can we do? I mean, we're creating this singularly unique, successful, multiracial society. And I think that's what makes a lot of people frustrated when they go to watch an NFL game and, you you know, you see players taking a knee and, and not respecting the national anthem or the flag because it's that very system. It's what it's the system that that flag represents that allows this conversation to even happen. It's that system that freed the slaves 160 years ago. And it's that system that recognized over time, and sometimes it takes a little longer than we'd like, but over time recognized there was unfairness and inequity and we have to correct it. And and from what I can tell, we've done a pretty good job of that. No, I think we've done, well, let's just say we've done the best job of any nation on earth. And, and I'm, I'm fully confident that further progress will continue to make us, keep us as the leaders of anti-racism. What do you tell people who, like me, are frustrated when they watch the news, when they hear these things, when they're, when they're you know, shouted at at restaurants, when they're trying to eat with their family or whatever it happens to be? How, how do you help people um, look for hope in that situation? Are, are you talking about people that are frustrated with the... the the government right now people that are a lack fr- of frustra- being able to to uh, have a um, just, a vibrant opposition <laughs> yeah I, well i think it's uh, how, how do you help i mean we've all saw video footage of groups descending on restaurants and yelling and dis- bullying and disrupting peaceful diners you know telling them if they didn't if they didn't um i don't know what they're asking for uh asking for to say the name or whatever they were doing at the time they you know they they were bullied uh to the point where they had to leave the restaurant or uh, outside of people's homes or uh, just hearing on on mainstream media that you in some way and i say you i mean you know people listening who really don't have a part in this directly but they're being told they're racist how do you give them hope i is there is there something they can look at and say, okay, this is just you know this is a passing dark cloud and we're going to get through it? Well, it is, um, but I'll, I'll tell you what I've done because I've spe- I've experienced quite a bit of racism and discrimination, um, and I and I mean I 
as a world traveler, I'm I'm actually out there looking for it. Right? I mean, I, <laughs> I I go into countries all the time where you know they don't like white people, they don't like women, they don't like yeah. Americans. Well, I, I, and, my and, and I'll tell you what I do. I just, ans- you know I just look at it and and I just go, wow, <clears throat> wow, that's that's sort of interesting, and mm-hmm. and I just keep persevering on, persevering on, um, because I'm 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 not going to let it ever affect me. No one is ever going to tell me that my country is not good and that I'm not good. It's just not going to happen. What about, um, and, and this, we're going to have to wrap it up here quickly, but uh, what about this idea? And it seems to have made it into several versions of legislation, and I don't know exactly where it stands today, but I, I can um, feel pretty confident that with the changes that some of this is going to become law. But the requirements that Boards of corporations, private corporations, have a certain uh, racial makeup, or um, you have diversity officers that are going to be required in businesses uh, over fifty employees, or whatever it happens to be, or in schools, diversity officers in schools. What do you make of all that? Well, you know, this is this has been around. Uh, they've actually played with this more in uh, in Europe than than we have, and it's it's another affirmative action. Um, type program, and the you know the the results of affirmative action programs are are much like unconscious bias training programs. Um, they don't work. Uh, they're they're actually benevolently racist programs. In so much as you you know you're you're now setting up quotas or you're now trying to fill spots, and so you know anytime somebody gets one of those spots that's, you know, from a, from a minority or, or even a woman, they're now suspect, right? They didn't mm-hmm. get there based on merit. Well, that's bad enough because, you know, now your colleagues are looking at you like you didn't get there on merit. But the studies show that people that get these positions are 15 to 20% less productive because they think they didn't deserve to get it. Mm. And so... It's it it it's bad practice, you know. I I don't doubt that they're going to move ahead with it, but it it doesn't help. I mean, one of the things that's that that's the worst thing about it is that when they put these programs in, you know, let's let's take the example of a a, a black or a Latino, and they they get one of these jobs, they get a job, and people are like they're dissing them because you know they didn't get it based on merit, but in fact they would have. Right. They would have got it based on merit, right. and so now, so now they're they're being penalized. Their productivity drops because people think that you know they they didn't get it based on merit, and it's it's just it's it's why these programs always fail. Yeah, and I and I'll and I'll add, add one more element to all of this that's not often talked about because it's kind of an adjunct to it. Um, but this opens employers up to tremendous amounts of litigation, and that yeah, litigation sure. is not only counterproductive; it's expensive. And a lot of businesses, and I've I've owned businesses that has had to deal with similar types of litigation, just unfounded things that the, the you know the, yeah. that lawyers find a way to to menace, and you end up having to pay out just to avoid you know just because the hassle factor. Um, mm-hmm. But either way. But you no, you know, incidentally, there was just recently um, Microsoft came out and said we're going to, you know, we're going <clears> to <throat> promote this many black people into different positions, and they backed off. Um, I think the Department oh. of Justice went after them. Oh wow! And because it's racist. Yeah. 
It, it definitely, <laughs> it, it certainly is, and that's the irony of the whole thing. Um, <laughs> Kathleen, uh, the book is called "Racism and Anti-Racism in the World Before and After 1945." Where can people find it? Uh, Amazon. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the work you're doing. I think it's very, very important, and I'm glad you're brave enough uh, not only to do it, but to come on programs like this to talk about it. Well, thank you very much for having me. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.